This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. This is episode number 21 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. 21? Yeah, bro. Vegas. This is the Vegas episode. Blackjack, baby. 21 or bust. Do you like playing cards? I do. I do like playing cards. That's nice. What's your favorite game of cards? Uh, cribbage and Blackjack. I thought you didn't know how to play crib. No, that's Monty. Man, we, you and I play a lot of crib. <laughs> nah, just kidding. That was Monty. I couldn't believe he didn't it's, know it's how to funny. play crib. It's, like, it's funny, like, especially kids of our generation, it's funny how many people don't know how to play cribbage. Yeah, I wonder what happened in their households. No fun at all. Video games, or do you think they're too on the video games? Um, I know Monty isn't. But I, I, like, I played a lot of video games growing up, too, and I still mm-hmm. learned how to play cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, know what to say weird. about this. It's funny. I, some I'm people don't sure. like don't like it. Like don't like it. But I don't know how you don't like having a cup of coffee, playing some cribbage, going to uh, to the casino and playing five dollar blackjack. I do like the blackjack when mm-hmm. I'm at the chinos. Mm-hmm. But let us know what your favorite card game is. <laughs> Tell us. Go is fish. It, is it go fish? Crazy eights. Is it war? Do you ever play spoons? I don't think so. That game's hardcore. It's like when you put like the the spoons in the middle of the table, and mm-hmm. then you have to like you have three cards. And then you have to you have to like take one out of your hand and pass it around the table until you get three of a kind, and then you have to Dang. grab a spoon. It's like it's like musical chairs, but with spoons and cards, and it's fucking Dang. yeah. It's I wild. like it. Sounds interesting. It gets wild. Hmm. We haven't played Catan in a while. No. We Where do we settled. play Catan? We played some. We played somewhere else the other day. We did have a game of Catan. I was what ready. happened? Yeah, you were because it was uh it was you, me, and my brother. I thought. Where the, when was when did that happen? The only time I've played Catan with you is here. Yeah, but it was, I swear we just had a game the other day and we played. Oh no, you know where it was? It was up up north in Keg River with my family. That was where it I was. I wasn't there. You weren't there. That was in Keg River. Missed it was a long way. Missed that one. That was like 10 hours north of here. I was in the <laughs> wrong time zone. I'm sorry. You're almost in the Northwest Territories. Pretty close. Very close. So this just in, Wacy, he's got a dilemma. Oh, yes. He's got, he, he's got his classes set up for the fall. You can have. I can either have Monday, Wednesday, Friday off. Yep. And have a pretty open schedule every day of the week. Yep. And then... And mostly school on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mostly, yeah, school just Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. But I would miss out on an ice time that I go skate at regularly on Tuesday afternoons, which if I just keep Hockey. this... Hockey. And then if I don't switch to two days of school, I have school Monday, Wednesday from 2 till 3.15, and that's it. No other classes. Mm-hmm. But then I wouldn't be able to go to the... So you don't have one class a day on those other days? Yeah. If I, but otherwise if I, if I keep my schedule the way it is, I get to go play hockey on Tuesdays. If I, if yeah. I switch to, th- if I want it to where I can have Friday, Monday, and Wednesday off, mm-hmm. I would have not be able You'd to You'd only go to school on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. So it's school two days a week or it's school four days a week. Yeah. So I think we know what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm probably going to. So Wacy's looking for a part-time gig Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays if you know of anything. I am good at stuff, (laughs) (laughs) but it's actually going to be the pretty occasional, mostly just Wednesdays because Mondays and Fridays are kind of reserved for other things. Yeah. I don't know what they'll be reserved for yet, but I probably, I probably should do some homework in the free time. (laughs) That's the thing. Like now that I'm actually into the first week of school, it's probably a good idea to do some homework. Yeah. Well, how's that homework going today there, bud? I did a little bit. (laughs) Yes. It hasn't really started off yet. I'm still just getting everything set up. I I guess it's only week two, isn't it? Just the third day I've been at class. And a lot yeah. of these, a lot of these classes, like today is the first, the class I had today was the first lecture. Okay. So like we basically, we just have the class was like introduction and stuff. So. Okay. Yeah. What it's are, mostly just uh, getting stuff like software lined up on my computers and mm-hmm. making sure I have the right books, but I should start doing some readings now. Okay. So how about cool that? Uh, how about that wedding we went to last week? Good times. That was awesome. I had a great Good time. wedding. Congratulations was, to Ashton and Terry. Yeah. Thanks for having us out. That was a hell of a time. Week before that was the 15th edition of the Glen Keeley Memorial Bull Ride in Stavely. Wasn't there. 
How was it? That was the first time I've been. I awesome. haven't been there. I've been there the last since you moved to Alberta. Since I moved to Alberta, yeah. It's since weird. you moved to Alberta, sad. But how was it? It was good. We had a good night there. Um, Zane. Zane Lambert, big win, nine and a half points. Happy camper. That's the second year in a row he's tied for, or win or yeah. tied for the win there. Won it this year outright, and last year tied with Jared Parsonage. Mm-hmm. And funny story, Jared Parsonage won the bull riding on Thursday night in McGrath. Winning. Yeah. Hashtag winning. winning. Hashtag winning. Um, Speaking of winners, we've got another winner we're going to talk to later, talk about later in the show. But how about our guest this week? Huge guest. So we actually bragged him up like a couple episodes early and then scheduling, you know, happened and scheduling conflicts, scheduling conflicts, you know, just some hockey night in Canada, like, you know, preview stuff and uh, hometown hockey, hometown hockey, just a few little commitments and some charity events. And so we finally got Ron McLean on the phone Nice for 90 minutes worth of interview. That was great. He's going to be on the show today, mm-hmm. episode 21. And then we're actually going to save the second half for another time. Double episode not of gonna, Ron McClain. Not going to tell you when. We're just going to throw it out there somewhere. So um, got I have a side to note. to folks. A side note. Do you want you yeah. missed on Saturday? On Saturday at the wedding? Yes. Well, I know taco that you wrapped. In ba- taco in a bag, midnight lunch. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it being prepared, but oh, I you left. Did? Oh, yeah. so good. I mean, I wasn't that hungry. It was funny because like, I had a really bad hankering for taco in a bag at Cochrane Rodeo. Didn't, yeah. Didn't get one. There was none. And then, and then bam, bam. it's at the wedding. Was, I was really happy about it. Mm. Anyways, I just wanted you to know. Well, actually, you know what else, too, was McGrath bull riding at uh, the Two-Bit Ranch. Celebration for the Two-Bit Nation. Yeah. We saw a new, a new bull there, uh, Wicked Dreams and Nancy That's Volds. It. Holy. That's I just seen the video bull. of it this morning. That's a bucking bull. Good times. Good times. So thanks to Josh and Tanner for having us. Cock and Rodeo got to go there last week, and then it was an Armstrong, too. So been a pretty full You've bit of rodeo on went to the ben steiger memorial golf tournament on uh, the 7th of how did you do Friday. we uh, did not win who did you golf with i golfed with uh i want to say a couple members chris thompson and uh kevin littlefoot and then mitch oborn so okay cool it was a good good day of golf though had a lot of fun beautiful day it was like plus 26 in yeah, september the last summer day we're, Take getting, that. we're getting snow here yeah, it might be with the last round of golf of the year. So made a good day for it. But Tabernacle. Here we are, episode 21. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey. Talking to Ron McLean, Hockey Night in Canada. One of the icons. Canadian icon. Canadian icon. When you think hockey in Canada, you think Ron McLean. When you Don think Jerry. Canada, think yeah. Ron McLean. Hockey, Ron McLean. Yeah. Don Jerry. You're listening to Cowboy Shit, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. Episode number 20, we've got our uh, guest on the line, and he's in uh, Stony Creek, Ontario. I'm in McGrath, Alberta, and Wacy's is tuning in from Calgary. But uh, it's Ron McLean. Ron, thank you very much for taking the time to be on the show today. We uh, really, really appreciate it. It's a total pleasure, Ted and Wacy. And yeah, Stony Creek, uh, people will say, where is that? Sounds like a good rodeo name, right? Yeah. Stony Creek. <laughs> uh, but it's a town just outside of Hamilton, so it's south and west of Toronto, about 90 minutes. And I was telling Ted uh, before we started here, I used to referee Junior C hockey game. And I remember one time doing a game between Stony Creek Warriors and the Grimsby Peach Kings. Grimsby's another town in the Golden Horseshoe of Southern Ontario. And uh, the coach was so mad, the Stony Creek Arena got dismantled that night. He went into the dressing room, he kicked all of the uh, two by fours that were used as players' benches in the dressing room, kicked every one of them up and out of their socket. Uh, and yeah, fond memories here in Stony Creek, Ontario. <laughs> that sounds like quite the uh, quite the fit afterwards. And he was a calm guy. He was uh, Graham uh, Walsh. Uh, never got upset. 
but that night he did. And I, I don't remember what ticked him off so much. It reminds me of uh, one time Pat Burns was coaching the Toronto Maple Leafs and he went into the dressing room and he's just smoking mad and he screams at all the Maple Leafs. He says, where's one touch? Where the F is one touch? And the guys are all looking around and wondering who's one touch. You know, they didn't know what he was talking about. He says, one touch. Yeah, you, Warner, Todd Warner. One touch, Todd Warner. We all know you're Dougie Gilmore. You're Gretzky. You can take a pass and you can one touch it. Way to go, Todd Warner. He cost us two goals in that period. And so from then on, the players all called Todd Warner one touch. <laughs> it, it just reminded me of Graham going bananas that night here at Stony Creek. Oh, wow. Well, and, and you still ref. Uh, I don't know how often you no, ref, but I, you, you I, don't now? I, I okay. stopped, Ted. Yeah, I stopped actually a few years ago. My eyes are shot. Oh. Uh, you know, my hearing was the first to go with working with grapes and now my eyes are no good. So <laughs> yeah, I'm out of that. I miss it. I miss it a lot, but, uh, yeah, it was a fun for 23 years as a level five, which in the Canadian hockey uh, program is a pretty high ranking ref and got to do a lot of university college, junior a on down and uh, some semi pro hockey, but now it's just, uh, I play beer leagues and that means you can, go and uh, agonize over a blown pass, not so much a blown call, and those were much more costly. Well, if your eyes are shot now, then you could be a rodeo judge. Great. I'd love to do that. (laughs) I love, actually, I think of all the sports, uh, it's the one sport where I, I, I think they really got it right because the four judges, two have the horse or the bull and two have the, uh, cowboy and they can't collaborate. Uh, so it's, it's the, I think the best system, ever devised and oh, I get wow. great uh, excitement out of uh, seeing how they it's such a simple system but compared to figure skating who uh, yeah. when they had the perfect six and uh, now with their technical points for jumps it's just so convoluted and confusing and and sometimes it's easy to corrupt but not rodeo um you're, you're talking about judging and being a level five like did you say level five judge or l5 or what was it yeah, level five. That was what. So there's actually six there's one levels. More, yeah, the, that's the tournament. The, guy, the right? guys that got sixes were always, or the women. Uh, yeah. The six was usually assigned when you had an upcoming international event, like an Olympics or a World Championship. Uh, that's when they would usually have you in line for a level six. And there was only, uh, in my day, uh, there was only fifty ever uh, in the country. Oh wow! Uh, could be level sixes, so they they didn't hand them out too uh, easy. Uh, but a level five was more than enough to get, um, you know, big events like the Telus yeah. Cup or the RBC Cup. You could you could work those as a level five. Well, we have a friend, uh, Bear Lightbound, who judges a lot of bull riding events and also is a, a ref, does a lot of WHL event, like WHL games and AJHL games. But he used to be a bull rider too. But he, I think he's, I think he's either five or he might be able to get a six to go to a couple of those bigger events because he was talking about doing uh, a big tournament coming up, but I forget what it was. Maybe the university um, the university cup, maybe that's what he was talking about. I'm not. Yeah, right well, now. It's funny. The, uh, first show we do this year on Rogers hometown hockey, Garrett ranks is an NHL official from Kitchener, Ontario. And he qualified this summer for the U S open. Oh, wow. So it, it's neat to see a guy work rodeo and hockey, but to see a guy, a referee in the NHL and actually make it to a professional golf event like that is uh, unbelievable. But that, as you know, the, the hockey players are all, uh, for sure. Most of them are great golfers. Yeah. Even, even in rodeo, a lot of the guys, well, I'd say in the Chucks especially, but you know, Clint Malarchuk was a great example of a guy yeah. that would star in the Stanley Cup playoffs and the next thing you'd see him picking up flank straps in the infield and you think good god or getting on a horse 
There was, he Oregon told us a story about yeah, getting he, on one, yeah. Yeah, they used to have a lot of him and Dale Hunter. I don't know how Dale rode because he was in spring oil springs uh, in southern Ontario, but he he could get on a horse and cause some mischief too. <laughs> um, I want to talk about you mentioned hometown <laughs> hockey. Uh, I want to talk about the travel first. That's got to be just wild going from Toronto to the other side of the country, like overnight, you don't, you must not get to sleep very much during the season. It's like a rodeo lifestyle, right? The guys that have to uh, get from one rodeo to the next, and there's just no time in between. And for me, it's really uh Wacy and Ted. It's, it's nerve wracking because we finish up for me on a Saturday night in Toronto, the hockey night in Canada duties that I do. And that's usually 10 PM at night. And then I sort of race to Pearson airport and it's terrible. Like the weather's often yeah. snowy or icy. And I get to the airport and, try to get to say Calgary or Edmonton and then drive to medicine hat or Lethbridge or whatever it happens to be. And it's, you arrive at effectively about seven or eight in the morning Eastern. Yeah. And then you're on the air the next day and you, so you're knock on wood. We've done 97 Rogers hometown hockeys. And I don't know, like last year, as an example, I went from Cornerbrook, Newfoundland on Saturday night because we did our hockey day in Canada in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. And then I had to drive to Deer Lake and then fly to Toronto, fly to Vancouver, fly to Nanaimo and drive to Duncan uh, on Vancouver Island. So we, it was crazy and it all worked. And you know, it was really, again, we, the, the last leg was the hardest leg. There was high winds out in, uh, BC and I barely got from Vancouver over onto the island, but so far uh, it's always worked. But I, I find it very unsettling. I, I know what the Cowboys, you know, I don't know how they park that part of their job or career, but for me that that was one of the trickiest and is getting trickier because I'm back doing more on Hockey Night in Canada. That it's it's you know I guess I'm getting old, but I find it a bit stressful for sure. I would. I don't even like to not sleep for a night, but you're doing it every weekend. Like that must be. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Well, you know, here you you have a lot of friends, and uh, you get so much joy out of the actual event. When you get there, the uh, it's not adrenaline that kicks in; it's just, I'd say, joy. Everybody's in a good mood at the hometown hockey stops. And like last year, my toughest one was Lacombe, Alberta. We we flew out on uh, what was Super Bowl Sunday, so I my flight was delayed out of Toronto. I finally got into Lacombe at eight in the morning, and we were on the air at ten thirty. And cool. so I was a basket case. I hadn't, I'd been in bed for maybe an hour and uh, no amount of makeup or coffee was going to get me sorted. But I sat there with Daryl Sutter and it was funny because there was a, a senior game going on between the Innisfail Eagles and the Lacombe Generals and Brian coach, Brian Sutter coaches the Innisfail Eagles. And then you had all kinds of connections in Lacombe too. But Daryl Sutter came on the broadcast with us and Frick, he was great. He knew every name of every hockey player on both teams and, that just, you know, right away changed my whole mindset from woe is me and am I ever tired to, wow, is this great? And uh, he had, uh, the whole family was there. So it was just uh, Christopher, his son with Down syndrome, who's, uh, you know, the lifeblood of a hockey team, wherever he is, and Wanda, Daryl's wife. It was just great. I've got to ask about the CFR moving to Red Deer. Since we're on the Innisfail chat, you, you were a part of the, there was a sportsman's dinner you guys did a couple of years ago for the night at the ranch. Uh, we can mention that a little bit too, but, uh, but the CFR going to Red Deer, that that's your home country. You've been there since you were probably like less than 10, right? You moved there when you were less, like maybe eight or nine that's or something. Right. Yeah. My father was uh, retired from the air force and he found work working with the RCMP as a dispatcher. So his job was to 
when the crews are out on the road, the RCMP officer would phone in, and even for a license plate check, in the old days it was pretty basic stuff. They would phone my dad at the deputy detachment, and he would then do some of the research on that license plate, or he would help. Like a lot of times there was bad car crashes, and dad would be liaising with the RCMP officer to just order up uh, air ambulance or support. Um, so he did that job for 15 years, and that's what took us into Red Deer. And when when we got to Red Deer, Ted and Wasey, we had a rodeo called the Silver Buckle. Yeah, and it was a good rodeo, and that ran in the, the spring, you know, for years. And uh, but then, you know, that, I don't think they have it anymore. And now to get the CFR, you know, it's it's disappointing, I suppose, for uh, the tradition of having it every year in Edmonton. But I am really excited that they uh, were able to land it at the Westerner. And what would your involvement have been with the Westerner in previous years, or and, and like how often are you in Red Deer now too? I guess probably not. Well, very often. quite a quite a bit. We were helping co- Carrie, my wife, and I are helping to co-chair as honorary co-chairs uh, the Canada Winter Games, which will happen in February. And as an example, we have to be in fe- February fifteenth in Red Deer to open the games and you know be part of the ceremony. And then because of that, Hockey Night in Canada has rejigged the schedule. Don Cherry and I will actually the next night work in Victoria where we're going to be for hometown hockey on the 17th. So instead of being in Toronto in the CBC building, Don and I will actually go out to CFB Esquimalt, do a show from there with the Canadian Navy as part of our Hockey Night in Canada show. But that's all done to help Red Deer and the Canada Games. And as far as the Westerner, you know, I I do have a funny memory of uh, just a couple of times I went in the parade for our exposition there. And one time I was on a parade float with Bill Ranford, goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers and then Boston Bruins, uh, other way around, Boston and Edmonton. Uh, and, and he was, uh, you know, just won the Stanley Cup in 1990 and being feted for being the winning goalie. And I was there because I was hockey night in Canada. I looked down in the crowd and there's Brian Sutter. And I'm thinking, good grief, there's the NHL coach of the year, Brian Sutter, who was a superstar for the wrestlers. And we're up on a float and he's sitting in the crowd cheering us on. And I just thought something's not right there, you know, maybe for Bill Ranford, but sure as hell not for me. And so I'm going out for the Innisfail Eagles event. Uh, and it's, I heard Glenn Hall was there last year who I just adore. And yeah, I, I've always said Brian Sutter, one of my favorite stories about of all time about great hockey players when Bob Bourne, who now lives in the Okanagan, Bob Bourne won four Stanley Cups with the New York Islanders and then finished his career in L.A. When he finished his NHL career, Stan Fischler of the Hockey News did a nice tribute to Bourne. Everybody knew he was a great leader uh, and loved him as a hockey player. And So he says, Bob, you played with Potvin and Bossy and Trottier, and you played against Messier and Gretzky. Who's the best? That's the question. Who would you say of all those guys is the best? And he said, well, they're all the best. But if you're asking me who the most valuable player in the NHL is, then I would say it's Brian Sutter over in St. Louis. He has done more to lift that team than any player on any team. So I thought that was just a fantastic compliment to Brian Sutter. I want to ask about uh, Innisfail, too, and the, the Danes family there. And you've been involved with the, with, the, like with the Night at the Ranch, too. I guess I want to ask about that and the, the dinner you were a part of previously last couple of years. Yeah, that was a great event, as you know, for the sports medicine uh, group. We were doing a fundraiser, and um, that was, uh, I think, right around the time of Ty Bossabon's fight, uh, passing, and uh, it was just such a you know emotional summer. I remember, uh, but I went up for we, uh, you know, for the Danes are the first family of rodeo. I mean, there's a lot of names could lay claim, but for me, being a Red Deer boy, 
I just know what Jack Danes did uh, through the year. When I was on the air in the 70s and 80s, I would forever get calls from uh, Jack, who I thought was phoning in to just do the Innisfail auction market uh, report because they'd have to give a listing of what cattle were available for auction the next day. And Jack would often phone at 9 or 10 at night and say, all right, I'm ready to record the uh, commercial. Are you rolling? And I, you know, I'd be in a panic, a twenty-year-old kid, and but he'd often phone in as well, just to say, "Hey, Ivan, just uh, you know, marked an eighty-three at Houston, or uh, Dwayne has done this, and uh, yeah. I want to get on the air and tell the story." And it was uh, it was fantastic to see the love and uh, respect for the industry that Jack had, and and obviously I've gotten to work with Dwayne a million times I, because of Dwayne's back injury in Armstrong, which is now West Kelowna in uh, nineteen ninety-five. I got quite involved with the Canadian Paraplegic Association, which is a, an association that tries to raise money and awareness to help. Uh, once you're in a wheelchair, you need accessibility. You need barriers broken down. You need elevators you can get on. You need ramps to get up uh, stairs. It's just simple stuff, but it should be automatic that we make this available to everyone, and that's what the CPA does. So I got onto that for 10 years, and I would go visit spinal cord injury uh, patients all over the country and deal with their families and that experience god it was it was a huge thing for me to have that in my background when i went into royal university hospital in saskatoon after the humboldt bronco bus crash you know and three of the kids were paralyzed and i i remember talking to jake wasserman's mom and dad for quite a period of time because they knew i'd had a little bit of experience in that field and i talked to them and talked to them and you know we're in icu and don cherry was with me and he was just really having a tough time with the whole thing. Of course, we all were. Uh, and finally, he leaned over to me and he says, Ron, you're not a priest, you know, like, give it a rest. You know, we got to move on here and see another kid. But uh, Ryan Stresnitsky, who I think is coming into our uh, Brian Sutter's Innisfail Eagles event, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he was incredible, just like Dwayne. Dwayne, when he was hurt, uh, I saw him first at the Strong Rehabilitation Center in Vancouver, and then they flipped him over to Glen Rose in Edmonton. And he asked Don and me to come by the hospital to see some of the other guys that had spinal cord injuries. And he was incredible. You know, he had a spirit right away that just, he was, he knew as an athlete how to tackle it, what to do to rehab, what to do to compartmentalize grief and worry. And he was, he was just such a leader in that uh, affair. And he knew not to make it about pity or not to make it, you know, melodramatic. So Dwayne was my compass and he really, you know, I as I say, when I went to the Humboldt situation, that experience was a godsend to, to give me a chance at least to not, you know, it, nobody's going to get it right. There's no proper way to cope with a, a tragedy like that. But that certainly made me feel less sort of spooked when I went into ICU and saw how serious it was. Well, and, and Dwayne is kept involved with on the broadcasting side of the rodeo business now, too. That's Is that where you, well, you would have known him from before when he was competing, but now he's on the other side of the the game with the, you know, with the broadcast and with CFCW doing this Canadian finals or the Calgary Stampede, he's still very involved. Yeah, he's tremendous, right? And he's been there. I mean, how lucky that he had an auctioneering background and a rodeo background. So he's got the gift of the gab and he's got the uh, expertise. It's There's nothing trumps listening to somebody who knows what they're talking about. And obviously you two, when I go out and do the stampede, it's a, uh, it's lucky that I can just hand off to Bob Tallman or some, you know, Melissa Hollingsworth and allow people who truly understand what it is, Butch Knowles, uh, what they're talking about to do their thing. Cause that, that for me is, uh, is the greatest 
thing that goes on in broadcasting is when you get people that have been there. Dennis Potvin, as an example, has done broadcasting for the Ottawa Senators. He's Florida again now. But one night I remember he was on the air with uh, Dean Brown, was the play-by-play announcer. And uh, Dean Brown says, you know, uh, Dennis, uh, there was Larry Robinson, Bobby Orr, yourself, Brad Park, uh, some really uh, great defensemen uh, in your era. What do you think about when you sort of assess who the best defensemen were. And he said, well, Dean, let me put it this way. There's the Beatles and there's Bobby Orr. And Dean says, and you're one of the Beatles? He says, no, no, Bobby Orr is the Beatles and the rest of us don't belong <laughs> in the discussion. <laughs> and uh, I love that. You know, and that was a guy that knew who could actually say such a thing. And you know, when Dwayne Danes talks rodeo, uh, you know, it's, it's just a joy. Well, and, and you mentioned that, but I, I was thoroughly, and I have been thoroughly impressed with your rodeo knowledge in the past, uh, in the, in the, in seeing you work at the Calgary Stampede. And it actually, when we started talking about doing this show, I was at Scott Burns house in, uh, Brandon, Manitoba a couple of weeks ago. And he wanted to ask, uh, what, how you prepare rodeo wise, like how you do your homework rodeo wise when you're on the stage and you don't have much time to somebody wins and they walk right over to you. Like you got to know about every, every one of those guys in yeah. the finals that day. Well, we have a bit of a trick there. Both, uh, really all three of the broadcast or the announcers at the rodeo, Bob Tallman comes over and stands beside me. Davey Polson is right there. And Wayne Brooks is right there. So the three of them together are really great about saying, do you know, Ron about this? And even you know, another name I should give credit to is Diane Finstead, you know, well, uh, and Diane's a former colleague at CKRD Radio and Television in Red Deer, and Diane's usually around the grandstand. So between the four of them, and even my own experience, I do, of course, uh, my my prep is essentially, uh, I have lots of books and things, but I watch the stampede from start to finish. So I'm only there the final weekend, but I actually sit every uh, day uh, down in Ontario where I live in Oakville at 3.30, the rodeo comes on, uh, 3.30 Eastern, 1.30 Mountain, obviously. And I watch the rodeo each day, and that that's how I prepare. It just reminds me, uh, the names all flow back really quickly, right? Oh, yeah. And you, you know, if you go as I have for 30 years, I've gone to the Stampede. So although I, I wouldn't be you know, uh, perfect, I, I would certainly be pretty good on uh, remembering names and sort of key moments along the way that I can I can talk about when I when I have to. But that's but I do have that uh, my sources, my secret sources yeah. <laughs> on the stage. They're they're the reason that I look so smart if I do. <laughs> this is this is a part of what Scott had to say, too. But. Do you follow it during the year too, rodeo-wise? Like, I remember, I think it was last year or the year before at the NFR, you sent me an email during the finals talking about how good our guys were doing. Yes. Well, I I read about it. And I I catch it on uh, YouTube, and I sort of watch reports that way because I knew, obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury had some of the guys out right at NFR to shoot uh, in practice. Yeah. So that was really, really cool to see, uh, you know, uh, Straws Milan uh, and Tanner Milan actually was ta- Tanner that was taking shots and Jake yeah. Bold before he got banged up was out on the ice. So I, I, I loved that story and I wanted to track down. Unfortunately, Jake, after winning the first two goals, got hurt. Yeah, hurt his um, knee. But yeah, but we've had some great results at the the last few NFRs. And so I, I do watch that that one in particular. And when I'll tell you, when Don Cherry and I are, uh, if we're on the road and we're in the hotel room after a hockey game, uh, having a beer, if there's rodeo to watch or bull riding, you know, Don's right there. He, really? He thinks, he thinks the toughest athletes in the world 
number one toughest athlete. You'd never guess who he thinks, but he thinks the figure skaters are the toughest. Oh, I would believe that. Yeah, and then he puts the bull riders. He just thinks the figure skaters, he says, the courage to go out there, stand at center ice by yourself, and then, you know, no helmet, picks, uh, blades. He he just thinks that's great. But he also loves... uh, I think he loves the bull riding and the and the rodeo because he loves animals too. So okay. he, he 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 worries about them in the chucks. He doesn't like the horses in the chucks because uh, he's a, you know he loves animals. Yeah, uh, won't eat, he won't eat pork. You know he's a he's a funny guy. He sees the movie Babe and then he won't eat pork for ten years. <laughs> but oh, wow. but he's a softie as we all know. He's kind of a softie. But he loves he loves the uh, rodeo and. Uh, and he loves the chucks, but he just worries for the horses more there. He, he can sort of see how the horse is his own, you know, captain at the rodeo, but yeah. the chucks, it feels like it, they have to be part of a team. And the fact that they're uh, tied together, you know, that would bother Don, but he loves it. And we watch uh, whenever we can. One year, I remember we were in uh, in uh, Minnesota. We were doing the western side of the third round of the Stanley Cup. So we were in Minnesota covering the Edmonton Oilers. This is 1991. And we're doing the Oilers and Minnesota. And on the other side, the Boston Bruins were playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it's Don Cherry's old team, uh, Boston. And it's kind of important that we keep an eye on the other game. Well, back in 91, the American network that was carrying it was called Sports Channel America. And you could not get that channel except in maybe two or three bars around the country. It was terrible. So we had to find a bar about an hour away from our hotel to drive to to watch the game. Oh, wow. And Don, you know, I said, you you know, uh, you have to come. He said, I don't really want to go. I said, Don, you have to. You have to watch the Bruins. Everybody's going to want to know what you think of the Bruins. So we get to the bar, and the Bruins-Penguins game comes on, and I look over at Don. He's across the table, and he's turned kind of 180 degrees, and he's looking at the bullfighting, bullriding, <laughs> sorry, going no on. Uh, yeah, go, yeah he, was, he was more interested in the rodeo, the coverage. It was on another TV screen than he was the hockey game. No and way. That's magic, right? Yeah. So I would have never thought it. that. I would have never, never, ever thought that. I had no idea. Yeah, he same with the figure skating. You, we sat during the Olympics in Salt Lake City every night that there wasn't hockey. We would sit in my room and he would watch the figure skating, and he would always turn away when the skater was ramping up to go for a jump. Oh no! He didn't want to see them crash. He would feel so bad. Does he? Has he been to the Stampede with you ever? Um, I I think he may have been a Stampede. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if he's been a parade marshal. I feel like they asked him, but they have never been able to get him to do that. But no, I don't. I don't know. I mean, he really goes undercover in the summer. Yeah. Uh, to his credit, he's smart to sort of rejuvenate. Um, but I think he would. Uh, you know, he loves the Cowboys. He watches it. I, I, he watches every show we do during every year, the Calgary Stampede, and uh, he's completely into it. So yeah, I think he would enjoy it. But Don hates crowds. He really hates traveling. So it's very difficult to get him out of the house once the Stanley Cup's hoisted. And we had uh, the Burns family when we were in Prince Albert, of course. Yeah. We were able to feature, uh, we went right out to their uh, ranch and yeah. uh, did a shootout there. And it's always great to see Curtis Lecician because he's yeah. got great ties to, you know, Bullstock. So he's a, he's a good source, again, for if I ever want to find out stuff. There's a bunch of people in the NHL fraternity that they know their, their stuff. And that's like, even I remember... My first year at Hockey Night in Canada was 1986-87. And the next year, the, the first game of the season to start 87-88, I was in Chicago at Chicago Stadium to do the Toronto Maple Leafs at Chicago Blackhawks. And I was walking through the bowels of the stadium, and that's again where I said, 
Daryl Sutter came by and he said, Ron, you did a good job last year. And I said, oh, thanks, Daryl. First year jitters a little bit, but Don Cherry was really good to me and Bob Cole and Harry Neal. And he said, no, no, I meant the Stampede. He did a good <laughs> job with the Stampede. Because <laughs> oh, wow. he liked uh, Lee Laskowski's from Viking, a yeah. great uh, bulldogger. And that was a funny, I remember. Well, in, in that, and to that uh, sort of connection, uh, Chris Russell's father, Doug, who they call Shaky, is being inducted into the Canadian Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame this October. And I admire, and we had him featured too when we did uh, Rogers Hometown Hockey in Red Deer. So yeah. we kind of featured the Caroline Bandits, the Vandermeers, Kurt Browning, and uh, of course, Doug. And he, he had the great line with his son when they were out sort of hanging around the shoots. And he said, Chris, you just always remember when they ask you, how big are you? You say, big enough. <laughs> and yeah, that's Doug. Doug, I always say, you know, Chris blocks shots like he's got that sixth sense of uh, how to. He understands time and space for whatever reason. He can get a puck or, I mean, a stick or a foot in the you know shooting lane every time, and that's got to come from his dad's spatial awareness. Because yeah, be out there true. with you know the bull. The bull fighting was so impressive again this year at Stampede. I don't know how many guys they saved, but it was just. I mean that that is oh. uh, they are they are the paramedics obviously of uh, our universe. Oh, definitely. And when they do their thing, it's so so admirable. Um, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Don, and you've mentioned Bob already. I'm wondering how similar those two guys are to work with, or just in general. You know, they're they're the exact same age, eighty five ish. They are both really birds of a feather in terms of their uh, attention to I don't know if you want to call it superstition, but preparation yeah. is probably the right word. Each guy is a real stickler for everything according to Hoyle. Like Bob Cole, his things are, if we're four of us driving to the rink on the road, he has to have the passenger seat. He never okay. drives, but he never sits in the back seat. He's huh. got to be the passenger. And when, you know, he uh, works, he's got his uh, belt off, his pants undone. You know, he's got to be loose and comfortable. And uh, he's got just so many little idiosyncrasies that make huh. him great. And Don's the same way. He's got to have, you know, a coffee at the 10-minute mark of the first period and a coffee just before the coach's corner. And he's got his morning ritual. Uh, he writes out, you know, what he's going to do in great detail. And Bob Cole's the same way. He's super slow when he writes uh, Bob Cole. He will go into the coach's office to get the starting lineups. And the coach is so upset because it takes Bob a half an hour to write out the 12 forward oh, names. And he's, yeah, but they're, but they're great. I mean, Bob sounds like hockey and Don sounds like hockey. They're, yeah. uh, they're, they're just It's funny. We were just talking at a weekend Labor Day party about the two of them and how, how lucky we are. I, I am shocked that this is my 33rd year working with the two of them. Oh yeah. Uh, Bob's going to, you know, he won't do as many games now as uh, he did in this prime, but, uh, he's still in his prime. It's just, yeah. you know, you know how it works. Uh, there's others that they're trying to get in there. So, um, it, but he's great. And they, they're, they've been good counsel to me, you know, over the years, especially that first year. Funny enough, after that game, I mentioned when Daryl Sutter came up and said, good job, Ron, last year. And I said, you know, yeah. <laughs> then the next day we flew back to Toronto and uh, we were in Maple Leaf Gardens to do Hockey Night in Canada because the game I mentioned was a midweek game, we called them. Yeah. Uh, then Saturday night, we were back in Toronto to do Hockey Night in Canada, and Bob Cole came over to me and he says, Kid, don't change a thing. You know, and it was just a nice thing to sort of give me a boost and vote the confidence. And Don was the same way. Uh, he, he was 
behind the scenes, <laughs> on the air, he could be a little rough, but uh, <laughs> behind the scenes, he was he was always a good guy to kind of guide me through the, the rookie years when you're scared skinny. Well, and and Don and and Bob Cole are really similar, and I I'm kind of curious about uh, about Don in the hockey world compared to Bob Tallman in the rodeo world. I'm thinking they, well, those yeah. two are pretty similar too. Yeah, for sure. Stylistically, uh, you know, if you think about it, uh, I mean, I would say Don is uh, not the wordsmith that Bob is. Bob is just a you know a, a song. Every time he sings, uh, it's a song, and it's uh, they both have a very uh, I think you know uh, a great respect for the Lord and the way they sort of treat people and things and. Uh, you know, they're both kind of. Bob Tallman is not overly flamboyant in his dress, right? He he will he won't look shabby by any stretch, but he's not. He hasn't made his costume. I don't think a big part of his shtick. Um, but he's uh, he just he he really respects uh, life and family and the sport. And I think that's the similarity with Don Cherry. That Don is not about. Uh, you know, the five-star hotels or any of that. He's, he's clearly committed to uh, the family life that, that hockey becomes. And he wants him and his son, Timothy, are out scouting for the Ontario Hockey League's version of central scouting. They go out each week to scout minor midgets in Ontario. And he has a, his whole obsession is to get it right so that the kid can have his bath can understand what he's to do when he goes to the rink, you know, wear a shirt and tie, what he's to do when the anthem plays, get your hat off what he's to do on Remembrance Day, get your poppy on. He's got all these little things that he wants that he thinks are way more important than the outcome of the hockey game. And Tallman's a lot like that. When I listen to Bob speak, uh, Bob is all about uh, the, the Western way of life and uh, how to honor that. So I love the two of them in that regard. Working with uh, Bob, he's been at the Calgary Stampede the same amount of time that you have, I would imagine, correct? He's a little longer, yeah. He's okay. uh He's, he did his first uh, stampede. We were figuring that out, we think, 43 years ago. I, I've done 33 years. Uh, I did Well, I did my first in 84, so it's actually a little longer. Okay. Uh, but my first rodeo was 84, and then I missed a couple. There was a couple of years, I think CBC didn't have the rights or whatever it was, uh, or they just wanted me on the Queen's plate because the Queen was in town or something stupid. But I, I did miss two uh, along the way, but I've, I've certainly, and he has not missed. Uh, you know, he is definitely, I feel like uh, I used to get such a hoot out of walking onto the Stampede grounds and I would hear Ed Whalen's voice booming from the Kinsman Dream Home Lottery booth. And that would be my first feeling that I was home. And then the second would be to hear Tolman, you know, coming from the the grandstand microphone. And it's funny, even this year at 3.30 on the, the Friday, the first day of the rodeo, which would have been around July 4th or no, it was July 6th. So July 6th, 3.30 Eastern, I'm in my sort of TV area of my house in Oakville, Ontario. And Mark Lee and Butch Knowles uh, are sort of talking to set up the day. And I could hear Bob Tallman on the PA in the background. And it was just reminded me so much of when I used to hear Ed Whalen. To hear Bob Tallman's voice was like, oh, God, good. There it is. Everything's, <laughs> everything's right in the it's world. The <laughs> What's been your favorite moment in Stampede history since you've been there? Well, you like one of mine is for some reason, Wasey Cathy and uh, Charlie Sampson in bull riding had an incredible go back in 1985. And that was my first, that, that particular year, uh, I just remember 
Um, there was a bad accident in the wild horse race, crazy event we used to run, and the Coppathorn families, they were, Tom Coppathorn was a guy that was really, you have all these people that you remember helping you along the way when you didn't know anything, you know? Uh, and so I was kind of into the Coppathorns and the wild horse race, and not, not a family member got hurt, but a guy did get hurt quite badly, and that scared me a little. I was, uh, you know, I used to march back and forth in the chutes thinking I was king of the walk, and then I realized how deadly the animals were. Anyway, I just remember Wacy Cathy we came in as maybe world champion. So Cody would have been world champion, Cody Snyder in 83. Wacy was right up there anyhow. And him and Charlie Sampson had a fantastic uh, Sunday, and Charlie won it. And I just remember that showdown being uh, the start of my love affair with uh, the short go on championship Sunday. And then the next year, it was Robin Burwash and Stevie Dunham in the bareback, you know, had four uh, go tiebreakers, uh, and that was freaking electric. And it just has never, uh, you know, lots of things stand out for me. Morgan Grant, I remember cheering him on this year, and nothing was really going right. And But I remember when he did win one event and finished second in another as he split the tie-down roping and bulldogging uh, money and just had a great rodeo. And that was a fantastic story. And I also, of course, uh, just to think of Jake Thurston and the, the whole how Skeeter Thurston's wife went into labor on uh, Championship Sunday. And a few years later, their kid that was born on championship Sunday ends up winning the first of three in a row. So those, those would probably be, uh, and I was happy for Dwayne when Dwayne won, uh, Calgary. Uh, I guess that's the other one that just really jumps out at me. Cause I remember one of the things I love most about Dwayne Danes is never mind how he overcame the back injury. Uh, but before he got hurt, uh, one time he got, uh, marked a 68 and he did not get a rewrite. And that's unbelievable, right? For a three-time all-around champion, yeah. and a Canadian saddlebron champion, to not get a rewrite on a 68. And he didn't complain one iota. He he was so gracious in the interview about, you know, the that's how she goes, uh, you know. So I love his humility. And uh, so when he won, I was, needless to say, moved to tears a little. I'm, I'm just, I'm, my jaw is on the floor right now listening to you talk about Wacy Cathy and Charlie Sampson, like some, some of our folks in rodeo today don't even know those names. I, th- I think it's, I think it's just incredible. And I, 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 it's an honor to me to be able to talk to you about those guys. Cause it's, I think it's so cool. Yeah. Well, that was a time, right? That was when Lane Frost was King. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I interviewed, uh, Lane and then the week following he's killed at Cheyenne. Um, lots of memories. Cause those are, those are my first impressions. Right. And, um, I, uh, another name that you might get a kick out of is a, but there was a matchup. Rodney Lipgard, Lipgard was going to ride Redip, and yeah. uh, we were really looking forward to that. That was the guy that was leading the world standings and the bull that was the new Rambo, and we were all excited. And I, I happened to be in the shoots for that one, right behind it, right there, watching, you know, and just full of anticipation for this uh, classic showdown, and it lasted. I'd say two one hundredths of a second. We <laughs> had Rodney on the ground and in the dirt so hard, so fast, and you could feel it, right? There's certain feelings uh, that are hard to explain. When Ben Johnson used to run, Ben Johnson would run on the spot at the Hamilton Indoor Game Stadium. The whole freaking building would shake. Vince Carter of the Toronto Raptors, the whole bloody Air Canada Centre, which is now Scotiabank Arena, would shake at the power of that man stepping down onto the court. Uh, they would blow the woodwork apart. And, of course, when the cowboy hits the dirt uh, in bull riding, uh, unless you're there, you don't feel the, uh, the thud the, quite the way you do when you're there live. That's why Innisfail's rodeo is so unbelievable. You're, you're so close to the action, right? And I happened to be there when Rodney Lickard went down. 
but and I've seen a few others, you know, obviously have terrible spills, but that one, just the force of redip throwing them. I never forgot it. I never forgot what it felt like. Never mind what it looked like. I just never forgot what it felt like. And again, I just thought, wow, what a vocation Rodney's picked. Oh yeah. Well, and, and being that close to it, like you would have actually felt the ground move when you, when you hit the ground, Yes, you'd feel the yeah. power of the bull. Like it's, I want, and everybody in the everybody in the shoots, uh, you know the the, uh, the quick work of the bullfighters in a moment like that. Uh, it's just an it's a tornado. There's no other word for it. It is a freaking tornado, and uh, I, I just am so uh, amazed at it time and again. And uh, this year was a pretty special bull riding final at Calgary. It was a tough you know tough battle right to the end. And you know I've seen so many, uh, been really blessed to see so many of the great. Uh, Cowboys, so that that, but those those early ones are were highlights for sure. Oh, I uh, yeah, I'm just amazed right now. I think it's so cool, and I again, I really appreciate you taking the time to to do this with us today. I want to ask about uh, about our sport rodeo wise, and you've seen it at Calgary. Calgary is the premier event in in Canada, let alone the world. But what do you think uh, rodeo is lacking, or what does it need to do to get to that next level? We've talked about it for years. But you've seen the NHL go from and you know make huge uh, changes and make huge progress in the sporting world. What do you think uh, our rodeo business needs to make that that next step? Well, it's funny because the bull riding, obviously, in and of itself, kind of became the the lightning rod. It, it was the one thing that everybody seemed to equate with the the new extreme sports, whether it's snowboarding or slope style skiing, etc. So that that everybody wanted it to be sexier. Every sport. NHL included. They were trying to get to a place where younger people would start to enjoy it. But I don't know about whether that's right or, uh, or not. And I'll give you the best example for me is uh, the CrossFit. We got a kid from Red Deer, just finished second in the world at the CrossFit World Championships in Madison, Wisconsin. His name is Patrick Vellner. And they only did two hours of coverage on uh, the weekend of the finals. They, it's a four days about 14 events and they don't even tell you how many events there's going to be because they don't want the athlete to sort of taper and uh, save some of their energy. So they surprise them with how many events and they surprise them with the various uh, things that they'll have to do during the CrossFit challenge. And it's so chaotic. It's uh, I look at it and I say, that's not made for TV at all. That isn't TV friendly at all. And it's doing really well. Uh, and you know, I think, I think, I, my, my heart is still with tradition. You know, rodeo is, as we've said, it's a way of life. Um, I think it's really great for those who get to uh, experience it. And then, you know, I, I think the NHL is in the same conundrum. They're, they're, you just have to, like, I don't know how it's going to be. I don't know what the gambling situation is with uh, rodeo, but for sure in, in basketball, they're going to leap onto the gambling connection that's going to be available to them now where you could bet on the next uh, guy that's going to throw a uh, you know, free throw or the next guy is going to take a shot. So gambling is going to be a bit of a, uh, like it was for the NFL, a way to hook the viewer. But I don't really approve of that, so I wouldn't use that as, a, as my way of growing the sport. I, I think the sport is great, and I think it's great because it's traditional, like baseball. I think, um, you know, we're, we're always going to be in that uh, complicated uh, arena of trying to, to say that to the animal activists or to say to the, you know, people who are really, it's funny, there's more gun violence, right, it seems like, uh, but people will always equate hockey and football and rodeo with danger, but they don't mind a figure skater without a helmet. So it, it, it's a really 
frustrating thing when you try to. I wrote a little a little article, a fun article, mostly for children about sitting and watching the rodeo with my standard Schnauzer Jackson and just explaining to him, you know, why rodeo is great and why the animals are happy as a lark. Uh, just because I feel that, you know, when I when I come out to do the stampede, I'll get lots of social media criticizing me for partaking in this, you know, old fashioned violent uh, abuse of animals and frustrating, right? But how am I going to, you can't convince people against their will. A man unconvinced is un, against his will is unconvinced still. So uh, it's no sense to waste your breath. I used to get the hugest kick out of listening to Bob Tom, maybe out at Cloverdale's, one of the rodeos that gets the most protests. Um, but it's great. I, I wouldn't worry. Uh, I think the, the setup is fabulous. The money is there. Um, it, it, I, w- I really wouldn't change a thing. You're listening to Cowboy Shit, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. Thanks again to Ron McLean for being on the show this week, taking the time to visit us from Stony Creek, Ontario. Have you ever been there? No, not yet. We were supposed to have a boarding in Hamilton the first year of the Monster Energy Tour, but it never happened. Got canceled, but uh, apparently those two are really close by, as Ron said. So Nice. Did you, so did you like, did you pass out at one point during that interview from just being so freaked out over the whole thing? No. I was, it was, it was good listening. It was good. It was good listening. It was, it was amazing. It was also hard, like having my phone on mute, then unmuting it to say stuff. Cause by the time I yeah. get unmuted, it's just, oh, like, it was too late. Yeah. The moment passes. So I just like, oh, okay, I'll just sit here on mute and listen to these guys talk. <laughs> Which was fine. It was, it was good. He, he fucking was great. Was there anything you wanted to ask that we didn't get to? No, you guys covered it most. Like, okay. All, covered it all. Okay. Yeah. That was cool. Sorry about that. We were, that was kind of logistically difficult to make work, We were worked out the way it did though. Yeah. We were in all, we were in three different places that day. Mm-hmm. So I was at the university. Yeah. in line to get my train pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is everybody else doing? They're just getting their train pass. He's talking to Ron McLean. Yeah, it was it was wild. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool to hear like the stuff that you don't get to like that he doesn't talk about on TV. Like it's like yeah. any, anytime you talk to somebody like that, it's like that off the record stuff you don't really get to hear all the time. Yeah, and, like talking like talking about Bob Cole and yeah, Bob Cole and Bob, Bob Tallman. And how about the rodeo story? I was yeah. I was fascinated how how like well he could like recall the names like just pick them up. It's like waste cat. Yeah, Charlie Sampson. Like, yeah, bam bam bam. It's like wow. That's, I can't even do that. I was totally impressed. I thought it was really yeah, cool. Yeah, that's definitely the coolest interview we've done by far, I would say. Seems like we say that every time. That's just, that's good though. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we should be saying. Hopefully. But yeah, freaking awesome. Hopefully everybody else enjoys it as much as we did. Yeah, tell us uh, tell us your thoughts on the on the Roncast. We uh, sure enjoyed bringing it to you. Mm-hmm. I like it. Hope it was you good. enjoyed it. it what was, was your favorite Ron story? I liked the one... About when Bob, when he does his broadcast, Bob Cole, yeah. he has to like undo his pants and like take, basically get undressed <laughs> in the, in the, the media box or whatever to do the broadcast. It's pretty funny. Pretty oh, baby. <laughs> it was cool though. What about you? What was your favorite Ron moment? Well, it, it had to be the one where he's talking about Charlie Sampson and Wacy Cathy riding it out for the yeah. 1985 title. Like that's 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's longer you than we've been alive. Yeah. We were, I was born in 90. You were 92, 92. Like it. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It's, it's great. Like thirty-three years of the Stampede, man. That's yeah, unreal. Well, he's been to as many rodeo perfs there. If you, you know, I, I think at one point he worked all ten days. That's one thing I didn't ask him, but I think so. I think early I think in his career he did yeah. the whole rodeo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he's been to the Stampede more than a lot of people that you know, a lot of people, a lot of people ever. Mm-hmm. But even if he only goes to one a year, I'm I'm still impressed by by how he keeps up with everything. And I I was blown away last year when he emailed me during the NFR. I thought it was <laughs> one of the coolest things. Yeah. 
You know, it's pretty sweet. And when he talked about, like, when he was on the shoots, I can't remember what bowl or what guy it was. I want to say Redip, and it was Rob yeah, Rickard. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. Yeah, exactly that. And his talked, experience. Just, yeah, there. just him, like, describing, like, being there and being in the moment. Like, having, yeah. being able to, like, recall that is pretty pretty cool. And how about Don Cherry being a bull riding fan? I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't expect that. Well, you know, Don's kind of a rough and tough guy, but. Yeah, it's pretty, it pretty cool to hear that, yeah. like, someone, like, you wouldn't expect, like, to yeah. even think about it to like have that much of an appreciation for it. it's pretty interesting so uh so don if you're listening or if anybody knows don that can hook us up ron ron <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to come to a bull ride and we'll uh we'll make it happen give you the full tour put you on one if you want we should get bob try it on the television broadcast for the pbr oh that'd be cool oh it? baby <laughs> that'd be wild wouldn't it <laughs> that'd be pretty funny be awesome that'd be super cool i wonder if he's a bull riding fan too and ask about that i don't know maybe Dang. he's from pei that's true, he is. And yeah. but we had, we had an event in Moncton last year. It's only about an hour and a half. Yeah, I'm sure. from Charlottetown. I'm sure, he is. It's really not that far. People out there love, like. I thought he's from it. Nova Scotia. I thought he's from PEI. Pretty sure you're wrong. Whatever, man. I'm gonna Google it. It's all the same out there. And I'll, I'll look it up. Bob Cole hometown. Neither of us. Neither were of correct. us were even on it. We're close. idiots. But anyways, it's pretty much the same <laughs> thing out there. Newfoundland. No, it's PEI, not even close. Newfoundland's thing. really far away from the other ones. Yeah, it's, it's like crazy. a huge. It's like a it's ten. Pretty hour much, they all talk the same out there. It's all it's. No, they don't actually. Yes, Moncton's kind of got some French influence, and I, well, you go work up north for a couple of winters, and you'll it all sounds the same. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't done that yet. Ten out of ten would not recommend. <laughs> Thanks again, though, to Ron for being on the show. That was uh, totally incredible, and we yeah, appreciate awesome. your time, and we but we appreciate your uh, you know basically I want to say love for our sport and 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 passion for the rodeo and the Western lifestyle and chuck wagon racing, you know, Calgary stampede. We, we just appreciate it. So thanks mm-hmm. again for taking the time to be on the show. And we look forward to part number two. Stay tuned part for two. that. I don't know it's when gonna it's going to be happening yet, but it's going to go. It's going to happen. I mean, yes. So we'll it's got to get out there. So make sure you keep listening because it's going to be a good one. But uh, yeah, so we'll go to uh, a Team Canada report, Team wrap up the show. Team Canada report. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, then. <laughs> uh, biggest news this week in the PRCA world is Curtis Cassidy wins the Wrangler Tour in America. Oh, he won that. He won the Tour Shootout Puyallup, Washington. Won like $17,000. Damn. Moves into number one in the world in the Bulldoggin. That's number one. Pretty badass. He's got almost $100,000 won this year. Contender for the world title. We've got two contenders for the world title. We do, because Scott Ginsner's number three. He's got 91,001 on the year already. Steer that gives us... Good job, man. Yeah, and Tanner Milan, he's number 16. He's about uh, 1,200 bucks out of the top 15 right now, but it's not over yet. It ain't over until the end of the month. It's not over yet. By the next episode, it's going to be pretty much over, but not this episode. Will the grassroots finals count? Uh, to the, No, they don't count to the okay. PBRCA okay. standings. Okay. And they're right after that. But that is the last weekend. Like, Hannah should be the last. Hannah's one. the last one. Hannah should be the it last comes Canadian down one. to Hannah. Should be the last Canadian one. But uh, we've got those two Bulldoggers in the top 15. Then you got Zeke Thurston, Clay Elliott in the, in the Bronc ride. And Zeke's got Zeke's number six, Clay Elliott's number eight. Carmen Pazabon still in the top 15 in the barrel race. And she's uh, number 11. She's inside by 5,000 right now. And number 16, she's ahead of by 8,000. So last couple of weeks of the season here, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven Canadians in the, inside the top 15. If you include Oren Larson, who's number four in the barrel. The crowd. O-Dog. He kicked ass in Puyallup the other day, too. He's got 117000 won all the year. Clint Lay's number 16. He's got $2,800. He's 2800 bucks out of number 15. Which is attainable. Which is attainable. So, I mean, another one we've seen, too, that's been sneaking up the, in the team roping standings, Colton Schmidt. He's only out of the top 15 by 4600 bucks. 
also number, very attainable. Yeah, number 18 in the team rope. And so we're at, uh, we got one, two, three, seven with four, five, six. No, just six with Thorne. Six I didn't with count Orn. very good. One, two, three. Ted's still four, learning five, how to count good. Six. And then we could have as many as nine if we have Clint, Tanner, and Colton. Nice. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Be great. So awesome. Here's to Canada and the world stage. And last couple weeks of rodeo, we got old Soberfest uh, this week. Next week's Brooks. Grassroots finals, Hannah, and our Canadian season's over. All roads lead to Hannah and the Grassroots finals. And then the CFR 45 in Red Deer. Are you going to go to James Barker Band this weekend in Olds? Yes. You should go. It's going to be a good one. Saturday night, right? Mm. We'll be there. Would recommend. Check it out, Old Soberfest, CFR 45. She's all going to be good. We'll see you down the road. Bye. Thanks for listening. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, brought to you by Everything Cowboy.